All right. Well, we're here on the first ever show of the Cosmic Wizard Show. And I'm here speaking with Michael Hardigan from One Sky Astrology. Hello, Michael. Hey, Rio. Nice <laughs> to be here. Yeah, nice to talk to you. Um, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about your journey with astrology, how you got into it, how you got into what you're doing today, that sort of thing. Oh, wow. Um, well, the short version is my, uh, my godmother was an astrologer. And it, it turns out that my mom was really into astrology. And then, and then she had kids and just kind of like, she wasn't that into astrology. But, mm. but, but, she, but she was, when I got into it, she was like, oh, yeah. And like, she and I can talk about stuff, talk about charts, talk about signs. And, and oh, that's cool. Everybody's whatnot. But my godmother, um, I met her when I was probably in like, uh, I think just around my 19th birthday. She is. Uh, she has a school of astrology, holistic astrology, in uh, in, in Brussels. The Le Col d'Arc, a typical. Uh, uh, I, I forget how you say astrology in French, but it's archetypical astrology school. Mm-hmm. Um, and her her uh, her whole life was was astrology, and she she's a tropical practitioner. But she just really got me kind of hip to the language, the mm-hmm. archetypes, the whole the whole idea that a psyche had these facets, the inner world was reflected in the outer world and, and so on. And it was, it really took, like I, I got a hook in my jaw. I got dragged up the river. I was like, whoa, this is cool. But um, I really, uh, I really never felt like uh, certain parts of my chart, like uh, in, uh, in a lot of ways, I kind of fought with it. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I discovered along the way, I discovered sidereal, like Vedic sidereal. Mm-hmm. And then uh, a student of Athens Shementi's, uh, a person I actually just saw yesterday, walked past where she worked and, and we waved to each other. Um, she's, her name's Alicia. She's at Tides of Io. Um, tides of Io uh, astrology. Um, I'd actually have to. I'd actually have to look it up. I don't want to misquote her site, but um, okay. maybe, maybe uh, y- you know, maybe if you hadn't sprung this on me last minute, I would have been a little bit prepared. <laughs> this is this is a, this this is a, a super secret surprise. Like, oh hey, let's do a show. We were just <laughs> so so. I I just got the memo about five minutes ago. Anyway, uh, Alicia was like oh yeah well i'm doing something like totally sidereal it's like not even really using a zodiac just the actual skies and there's this guy athen i started to get tuned into this mm-hmm. and she read my chart and it was just like Phew. it was kind of the missing piece of my my astrological puzzle mm. i really felt like uh everything everything resonated the whole way around um so I actually went to Athens, uh, saved up some money and was like, <laughs> bro, let's, let's do this. Let's do this damn thing. And uh, for the course or for a reading? No, I've actually in the, in the course of working in, in the, yeah, in the course of working with him, I, I've, we've talked a little about my own chart, but I've never actually sat down with him and had a mm. proper reading probably because because I wanted to spend my money on the classes yeah. and, um, and, and I'm also pretty confident in my own skills. Although Athens great. Athens, there's, um, 
Athens, Athens, a wizard. His 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 approach is uh, there's a reason he has like sixty thousand subscribers. There's like he's just able to just break things down to their pith essence. It's really interesting to watch him kind of do his thing. Um, so yeah, I started to get I started to get really familiar, kind of shore up the the kind of the differences and talk to you know him firsthand about the whole. 13 constellation zodiac and um you know and he and, he and i we we sort of we, you know we share probably 95 percent common ground and then mm -hmm. uh you know we we have we have our own interpretations of stuff and emphasis on things and we, where we differ and it, you know that's cool i hope so yeah of, yeah of course of course and um yeah so i've been out i've been out there uh in the professional world as a as a practicing astrologer like kind of hanging my sign since mm -hmm. uh 2018 so it's about three years yeah. and um so doing the true sidereal thing also focusing on uh jeffrey wolf green's uh evolutionary astrology which, ah. which yeah, I came into contact with through Mark Jones at the Pluto School, which is just we could talk, we could rap about that. It's mind blowing stuff. Yeah, well, um, the last I did a last year I did a course that was really based on evolutionary astrology with Sabrina Monarch. Oh yeah, and, and I noticed that you and on your website and stuff like that mentioned that you had done some evolutionary astrology. So I thought that was interesting. Oh, yeah, yeah. Powerful mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Although, for me, like, it seems not necessarily tied in with that school of astrology. It seems that, like, the real evolutionary step to take with astrology is by, you know, going back to the basics and looking at the stars and, um, you know, maybe even with the seasons, maybe there's a reason why it's shifting on us, you know? <laughs> That's a whole different rabbit hole I could get down. I don't know. I don't want to start at this moment, but no, no, there's so many rabbit holes. We can I'll let you sort of sort of guide this the way you, you know, have maybe you have a, a vision. Maybe we could just get, you know, go down random tangents. But we, we could just go down random tangents. That's <laughs> fun. Um well. I really, I was inspired to invite you on first because your video about the astronomy is really, you know, I've been exploring sidereal for a while um, and just sort of tracking transits on my own for like two years. Mm -hmm. And I got to the point where I was like, wow, like the stars actually matter, you know? Mm. And then at that point I had to question, well, if if the stars actually matter, then don't like all the stars matter? And doesn't it matter, you know, how within within the range anyways, you know? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And wouldn't it, maybe it does make a difference that some are bigger and some are smaller and that sort of thing. But I had all of these questions um, that I sort of just chalked up to like not understanding the astronomy of it. And watching your video on astronomy really just like sunk down everything that I needed to know to really jump in and start exploring this deeper. So oh, that's thank awesome! You for oh, talking with me today. Oh, you're so welcome. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, one rabbit hole that I wanted to go down. You know, we've been talking on Facebook a little bit, and you were saying that 
the tropical zodiac as sort of like a fun house mirror. And mm-hmm. I thought that said that we could <laughs> just dive yeah, I'm, I'm different from a lot of my cohort in that a lot of people are still trying to make sense of tropical. They're like, oh, but it but it works with the seasons, or they're like, oh, but it's and I and I, I've examined this, uh, and to to my satisfaction, I've come to the conclusion that tropical is uh, is broken. That's my that's yeah. I'll just go on kind of a record as saying I I really think the language is very powerful. Like the 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 understanding of the archetypes is you know there's a reason there was like uh the popularity of this story of a guy with 12 followers because the sidereal mythology of 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 uh you know take take jesus this whole you know krishna horus uh mythos through time it reflects an actual reality, right? And yeah. to the extent that a mythology taps us into an actual reality, it has real power. Mm-hmm. And the language and the system, the structure of tropical astrology has actual like correlation and it has power. Like if you look at yourself through the lens of, oh, there are these 12 sort of distinct components of my psyche and the journey around the wheel that, that we make like as, as, as beings in a, in a growth pattern. And, and these planets like correlate to, uh, you know, urges and impulses, uh, you know, perceptual modalities, even chakras. You can draw all these maps and it's actually helpful. But the tropical system originated with you know back around the time of Christ uh people really thought because Aristotle taught this uh well not everybody universally thought this but 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 because Aristotle was had such a deep voice and he was so handsome I guess (laughs) no he was he he was a very capable philosopher of course but he thought the earth was the fixed and unmoving center of the entire universe mm-hmm. and everything rotated around it. Um, Aristarchus of Samos uh, knew and his student Archimedes knew. They had the order of the planets right. They knew this was a heliocentric system and the, the sun was mm-hmm. a star and then we were in a universe of, of, of orbiting spheres, but that no one listened to them. People oh. kind of like when Carl Jung and uh, Sigmund Freud, uh, went right around the discovery of Neptune, um, right around that time when they came out and said, oh, there's a subconscious and an unconscious. There's part mm-hmm. of our consciousness we're not aware of. And people are like, <laughs> yeah, sure, guy, you know, get lost, yeah. you know. And it seemed absurd because it wasn't the prevailing thought it wasn't this or there was a consensus well people do the best with what they have at the time you know I agree I agree wholeheartedly and I don't I don't really hold it against anyone because um you know even even going back to the decisions that were made then you know they they noticed the stars moved and they thought the earth didn't so they oriented things to the seasons and you know because the stars move then the tropical zodiac is 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 shifting 
-hmm. And that's, you know, that's, I'm just kind of filling people in who might be watching who are like, oh, I don't know, true sidereal, what's that? Right. And how does it relate to tropical? And why is this guy talking smack on my astrology? Well, that that's why. And, and so we were, we were having this conversation on Facebook. And, I, and, I, and first, I want to acknowledge the, the power, the psychological and practical ground level kind of uh, agency in the language and the system of astrology, tropical, sidereal, true sidereal, or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but I was just talking to somebody yesterday and she was like, oh, Virgos drive me nuts. And I'm like, what drives you nuts about Virgos? You know, they're so self-centered, you know, they're, so, they're always so selfish. And I'm like, sounds like Leo, you know, which, yeah. which is, which is, you know, now that Leo has been shifted, it, it occupies, um, you know, it occupies uh, what, what, what we call Virgo. Mm -hmm. So what maps onto tropical Virgo is the stars of Leo. And to what you were saying earlier, Rio, the stars are really important. The stars are actually, this groups of stars are actually where all of the ideas that were resurrected during the Renaissance came from. Because this wasn't like a gradual shift. Like they made this decision, then the Roman Empire fell, then the Dark Ages, the, the, the Catholic Church. And then we only, we're like 500 years right now out of a renaissance, a resurrection of all this stuff. And it's like, like what happened? We're like waking up from this like really bad dream in like um, in the modern Western world. Mm -hmm. And I think even now we're like putting together some of these important pieces. Um, and, I, and I think that recognizing that all of the Ptolemaic ideas about the signs, like everything you read in like the only astrology book you'll ever need, or mm -hmm. some of the like really like grounded in classic works on astrology, all that stuff goes back to when they were looking at a sidereal, mm -hmm. you know, there was there's the tropical thing. astronomers. They were, well, that's right. That's the part that gets me, this idea that it was mm -hmm. like very on purpose to change it to the seasons. Why would a bunch of astronomers do that? Right, I think it was right, just a mistake. Right. I really think it's kind of a fundamental ignorance issue. They, 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 if you fast forward like 12,000 years, they'll, they'll tell you that, that, you know, Aquarius, what's the stars Aquarius? That's where Leo will be. Mm. Uh, you know, Pisces is where Virgo will be. And people will say, oh, Pisces drive me nuts. And it won't because they're so, <laughs> won't because they're Leos, it'll be because they're Pisces. And they'll, be, yeah. they'll be diffused and dreamy and confused. And, and they'll be, oh, Virgos are so dreamy and confused. <laughs> what? You know, like now we can't mm -hmm. comprehend it. But if the tropical zodiac continues to shift, it's like, yeah. how far do you want to take this thing? You know, because <laughs> we can just pretty, course correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I really, uh, I really sort of disregard it. And in my studies, I've learned to just kind of go back a sign, you know, it's like when mm -hmm. people are talking about, oh, you know, like, uh, oh, I don't know. Um, I meet a lot of people who are like, I'm an Aries, but they're such a Pisces. Oh. <laughs> But the one that's getting me right now is everyone talking about how they're feeling like so emotional and it's Pisces season and mm. is it Pisces season or is the sun just coming up on a conjunction to Neptune? Right, 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 right. 
and um, there's there's all kinds of 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 complexity, and I and I and I think there's one of the reasons people tend to feel like they're tropical signs because I get this a lot. Like people will really relate to that, is because the people's progressed planets secondary progressions move through this they move forward so that's moving through the, the forward sign or the the tropical sign so you know say you were uh you know had a self-story a narrative around um you know i'm an aries i'm 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 boisterous and blunt and straightforward and tough but the sun was really squarely in pisces when you were born giving you this really kind of sensitive kind of pretty, you know, pretty kind of emotional psychic nature. Yeah. Very different. I choose these signs because they're really different to each mm -hmm. other. Well, well, that person at around, depending on, depending on, you know, what degree of Pisces the, the yeah. sun is in when they're born, anywhere between age, you know, one, two, three, two. Um, so astronomically, Pisces is almost like 40 uh, 40 some degrees. So, so we, we could say at some point in their life, their, their progressed sun is going to go through an Aries phase. They're going to mm -hmm. have the internal experience of a, of a, of a sun in, in Aries, a progressed sun. Mm -hmm. And it's going to help them relate to that like brash kind of, you know, driven forward. And, and they'll be like, oh, wow, I'm in Aries. And in a lot of people's journey, I've noticed, um, that 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 progress sun is an, as a sort of inner experience as yeah. as it shifts people you know when when i when my progress sun and i'm a virgo sun mm -hmm. um at, at a point i went through a very libran phase actually and i was like huh maybe and then at the point in my life when i was convinced I've got to be a scorpio like that's the only thing that makes sense my progress sun was moving through scorpio and I, yeah, I didn't realize this so I kind of put it all together later because secondary progressions aren't something you, you know, really get on the internet or commonly. Well, even in the natal chart, right? Because Mercury and Venus are reasonably close. Like there is a good chance that people have this energy in their chart. Like for Absolutely. me, um, my tropical chart, I was a Leo sun, Cancer, Venus, and Virgo moon. And in sidereal or true sidereal, I switched to like Virgo rising, Cancer Sun, Leo Moon. So uh, it's like, you know, some people might be like, well, is that just semantics? But no, it is an important shift, even though all of the energies are still at play, you know? Right, right. And what you're pointing to is just a perfect example of how like nuanced and complicated and holistic a chart is and how, you know, on the one hand, it's really silly to just talk about sun signs anyway, even, even though we do it and it, it does have a effect on a core sense of self, but yeah, there's a lot of reasons. Um, sun with or, you know, especially with in conjunction or in trying to a planet really closely will really, really flavor the experience like in that, in that way. This person could be Pisces, but, you know, Mars might be right there with it. And that'll mm -hmm. only, they'll just double down on the, on the Aries story. Yeah. But from my experience with, with charts, the actual astronomical astrology, the, the true sidereal zodiac, is 
It's like the only thing that I've seen that works like all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've definitely found a lot more resonance now, especially that I've started looking at more at more charts, not just my own too. It just makes so much more sense. Yeah, yeah. Do you have Do you have a practice? Are you out there like uh, uh, doing am, chart yes. readings and cool, cool? I'm um, sort of just starting. Okay. I've been studying for a long time and reading for friends and stuff for a long time, but I've started nice. hanging my sign, as it were. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Let's Let's trade. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll work it out later. Yeah, yeah we'll work it out later, but that sounds fun. Yeah, cool. I'm really curious what you think about this age of Aquarius thing that's been going on. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because people, people think that's happening now. Yeah. Yeah. Which um, as far and... as I, I'm, I'm open to being wrong, but as far as I can understand, whether we're talking tropical, sidereal, or anything, that's just not true. No, I don't even think it's true tropically. No, I mean, I could, I could pull, I could pull, I could open my software, but I don't want to. Yeah, we're in an astronomical sense. The sun mm -hmm. is rising on the. I just looked actually earlier today. The sun rises on the vernal equinox, yeah. late or actually this this precesses. So so it's actually moving moving backwards. So early okay. in Pisces. Yeah. Maybe six or seven degrees in, I think. And it won't rise. The sun isn't going to rise in the stars of Aquarius uh, in, the, in the northern hemisphere vernal equinox for another almost like 750. So we're, um, I mean, technically, we're not even on the cusp of the age of Aquarius. Yeah. And part of what marks Pisces is confusion and self-deception, sort of denial, delusion. Like it's a very cloudy Thing. I think it's really interesting um, that Neptune is in Aquarius while this is all going on, mm -hmm. you know? In a critical degree in the last degree constellationally. Absolutely. Oh, really? Ah. Mm -hmm. So wrapping up that, wrapping up that uh, idea of, of moving forward, of moving into the future, like the, the first and last degrees, the critical degrees are like really poignant expressions of an energy. Mm -hmm. So this is like one way of looking at that would be like we'd get the delusion neptune that we were moving forward into the future like in a in a like a really meaningful way like we could feel that right like yeah. deeply neptune and it's collective it's a collective influence yeah. and um in the 60s people thought that was the dawning of the cusp of the age of Aquarius they thought that was the that was really like that was what started it and I think in 65 Pluto and Uranus conjoined in constellation Leo if I'm not mistaken in about 65 so the energies of Uranus ruling Aquarius were emphasized and deepened by Pluto's conjunction and this um you know in Leo brought you know, radical, new, uh, you know, very off the beaten path and rebellious forms of, of creative self-exploration. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we saw that in the sixties, but it wasn't, it just categorically like the sun isn't rising in Aquarius. It's mm. not. Um, yeah. So I don't know where tropical, I don't know where tropical puts that, but, um, 
you know, the nice thing about being in the kind of tropical is broken camp is I don't even, I don't, <laughs> I don't have to follow two different systems. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hmm. Let's see. Well, that's all I had for like notes and stuff that I wanted to bring out. So, I mean, now we're just free to rabbit hole however we want, really. Uh -oh. um, maybe I guess a useful question to ask would be for people who are like just getting into this and wanting to explore their own charts and things like that. What are the tools you'd recommend? Oh, wow. There are some really good web embedded, uh, you know, constellational true sidereal chart generators. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, there's one on Mastering the Zodiac, Athensite. Mm -hmm. um, there's his channel, of course, Mastering yeah. the Zodiac on, on YouTube, kind of a go-to weekly, weekly pulse. But if you want to get a chart, you mm -hmm. can generate a chart on uh, MasteringTheZodiac.com. You can generate a chart on uh, Capricorn software mm -hmm. website who, that makes uh, Prometheus, the, the software that, that most of the uh, constellational astrologers are using. Um, I think Ike at uh, Sidereal Astrologist has a, a chart generator. And I, on my own site, do something a, a little more complex uh, where the online embedded stuff just kind of gives you a wheel with placements. Mm -hmm. I, um, I do uh, just like a whole chart with like parallels of declination, uh, oh, arrangement really? of, of, yeah, of aspects, stellar alignments, like any, any star planet conjunction within like two and a half degrees. Um, and other stuff and a key so that so and, and keys to all this so that so you can decipher the symbols and um the price on my website for that is 10 bucks but i do all my work on sliding scale and i i really like you know endeavor to be generous so people just say so show up with five bucks i'll definitely print you one but um okay, awesome. you know, it's it's uh it's uh, something that, so that's a paid service. The others are, are free. Athens channel is public. Um, what else is good? Um, ways to get tuned into this. Uh, Ike Rodriguez at uh, Sidereal Astrologist, his, uh, his webpage and his Facebook group, Sidereal Revolution, where we met. This group is awesome. Yeah, it's a cool group. I love, I love just sort of like the I don't know. There's not, you know, people get opinionated and throw. <laughs> there's some shade. I've seen some shade thrown, but but there's general like <laughs> there's a real there's a real genuine like spirit of exploration and, and a mm -hmm. sense of ex of 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 excitement and just uh not a really non judgmental kind of like mm -hmm. uh kind of a you know I don't I don't think any one person is trying to like play guru or dominate conversation and it just feels like whenever i present something on there or respond to something it actually feels like wow this is this is cool and that's like the great metric of like how legitimate something is if it's not convoluted and it's not developing like massive complexes or, mm -hmm. or egos or or a lot of back and forth like ankle biting and drama it's like oh that's just interesting. <laughs> That's something that I'd really like to foster in this like show that I'm endeavoring is just like a spirit of exploration and getting together and, you know, building bridges of understanding. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Because yeah. I don't know, I feel like this is the future of astrology. I um, do too. I, I really straight up do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And like at the same time, it's kind of new. So we need people who are excited to just like play around and experiment, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's cool because everybody who's really out there doing this right now has, they're kind of finding their own stride. Um, like some people are, you know, just really almost like, uh, like, like technical and very broad. Like I was saying, Athens has a really just like boils things down to the pith essence to make them like very universally available. And, um, I mean, my, my approach is almost, uh, like opposite and anyone who's seen me sort of like riff on charts knows I go like right to the therapeutic stuff. I'm like, oh man, that looks, you know, challenging and let's like, you know, get into like these interpersonal, you know, kind of like the, the, or the, or the, the kind of resolving blockages in, in, Mm. in our lives kind of potential. Yeah, totally, totally. And not to say that Athen doesn't do that because he does, but just mm-hmm. to compare the way we present like outwardly, publicly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, uh, I, you know, everyone's just kind of got their own, their own thing. And I, uh, I really think that once the future, I really do, I think returning to the ancient uh, origins of it is, is definitely where we should be and ultimately where we'll kind of have to go yeah agree I think we have the technology you know can you believe like in Babylon before they made the 12 even sign zodiac they were doing this with uneven constellations they were doing those calculations they were doing this by you know (laughs) hand with like you know an astrolabe and uh and a and a and a straight edge and like and like a, a compass and it's just like holy yeah, that's, crap. Wild. that's wild now it's just like click okay yeah. <laughs> oh yeah but um it sounded like you were going into a list because you started with one. Oh man um it's, it's, I don't know, there, I had like three simultaneous thoughts. I went, w- one of the thoughts was I went back and I realized I, sh- I shouted out, uh, y- you know, Ike and Athen. There's, um, there's, there's a bunch, there's a bunch of people actually doing constellational astrology. There's, um, there's, um, uh, I, I actually, she has a YouTube name. It's like Ross, the, the star witch. Okay. Her, her sign, her like is just uh, I think thirteen sign. She's doing something she calls thirteen sign. And then there's my own site, one you know, one sky astro dot com, and um, you know, so all of these are places you can go to to get information to learn. You know, I have a YouTube channel too, one sky, and um, uh, and then and then yeah, to the to the community in the sense of exploration. I think, I think it's great. I hardly, I hardly really see communities that are just so nurturing of like curiosity because it is kind of like a, it's like a, it's kind of a bleeding edge thing. And we're all sort of exploring like space together, literally. And it's like, oh my God, it, it just feels very genuine. It's one of the coolest things. 
I forget what I was uh, making a list of at this point. I just, it's, it's gone. <laughs> That's okay. Um, let me think, is there any, is there any sort of like transits that you're super excited about that wouldn't be in like being talked about in mainstream astrology because of the tropical oh, funhouse wow. Um, not, not so much because of the tropical thing, because transits don't change, you know, like Saturn is squaring oh, Uranus this year by sign. Yeah, totally, yeah. totally. It's, it is interesting because, because, you know, Saturn, excuse me, Saturn is squaring Uranus this year and it's happening from Saturn's in Capricorn and Uranus is, is in Aries and that's mm -hmm. where this whole dynamic takes place. And uh, those stars, those star groups are, are both cardinal, you know, it's cardinal mm -hmm. fire and cardinal earth. And this is, this is going to be the start of a, of a new cycle. And, and with Capricorn, um, it's, it's, it's going to be a start of a, of a cycle of, of more stability and security. Mm -hmm. Saturn in Capricorn is like, even with Uranus? I do, I do think so, because Uranus mm -hmm. is going to move out of Aries into Taurus, mm -hmm. and that's going to that's going to be a really interesting shift. It's going to be a, with Uranus square to Saturn from from Aries. It's not the only thing. The only, it's not that the only thing will be the stability of Saturn and Capricorn. Mm -hmm. In in fact, you know, if anything, we might go through a year where. Saturn's ability to express its stable, you know, most stable uh, side is a little challenged um, by, by the square and by, by Uranus. But I think, I think the idea that is happening in cardinal stars that start whole new cycles of development yeah. is, is really uh, probably the, the most important idea because Thinking about it happening in, uh, I mean, I think people think Uranus is in Taurus right now. Yeah. And um, then Saturn would be in Aquarius. And uh, I mean, that's a, that's a whole, that's a stable. Those are stable. Those are fixed. Like Aquarius changes things, but. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's going to be really interesting when you look at the whole flow, the transits that interest me since Jupiter and Saturn came together on the solstice last year, mm -hmm. I mean, that was so big. Yeah. It's really, it's weird. You know, we don't know like how big that's going to be. And it happened during an, an eclipse cycle and a, the, just the whole context of it was like, oh, whoa, mm. here we go. And I think what we're going to see is a restructuring of uh you know, the, the, the world, you know, we had this all part of the context of it was COVID. We're seeing society, mm -hmm. I mean, broadly restructured. We're seeing a sort of, you know, movement towards, uh, you know, corporate favor and like away a from, you know, favoring the, the little kind of, you know, mom and pop shops. Most of those have been kind of put out of business by Amazon, like yeah. in the last 20 year cycle. Yeah. And it's just like a, such a wild, such a wild, like 
almost like a sci-fi kind of time where we're mm. like teetering on like on the one hand we're teetering on dystopia <laughs> we're like clearly and presently like right on the cusp yeah of like like where where are we going with this thing and on the other hand like the momentum's there the the trajectories there like everything and 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 that was why I said that Uranus moving into Taurus would be really interesting. I think that's mm -hmm. going to be one of the more interesting things to watch, because the best case scenario that could come out of that is there will be a massive shift towards cryptocurrency and blockchain based. Yeah, uh, when you brought currency. that up, actually, that was my first thought as well. Right. Yeah, because this isn't like a gold based like Fort Knox has been empty mm -hmm. since I think the 30s like there's like we know money's fiat. We're, yeah. we're making it up. And so yeah. like we have permission now. Right. So let's. System is nonsense. It's nonsense. We just, like, right. I find that as we're just like going through this past year and seeing like the systems that are actually in place, it's a big part of um I, I think it just like speaks so well to what's actually happening in the sky. Like, mm -hmm. look around at everything's happening. This is so Capricornian themes, you know, mm -hmm. even just like the government um, control and just like yeah, yeah. the systems that we've upheld for so long that are just nonsense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The corporatism, the conformity, mm -hmm. the kind of like, all of that. And Jupiter and Saturn are in cap. They're both still in cap. And that's, I mean, that's the crux of like temporal power, worldly power. So we're, we're going to see that. I think the best case scenario of Uranus moving into Taurus is that, mm -hmm. is that there's going to be the possibility of like just generating enough money. We have like universal basic income, you know, if we're going to have like uh, a, a nonsense, you know, the, the, the trajectory of evolution has for a long time been towards globalism. Mm -hmm. And if yeah. we're going to have um, a global society, you know, let's, <laughs> let's at least like, you know, uh, solve some of these, you know, if we have then like that many more resources at, mm -hmm. at our disposal, instead of we're, you know, these little territorial groups and, and you know, ethnic groups and nationalist groups, you know squabbling and and trying to carve out our whatever it's like no if we all get on board right. and we all agree like oh it's the future we're just making things up like let's yeah. make up enough money for everyone to actually like you know yeah. um that would be a best case scenario um yes, i agree and uh yeah i don't i don't i don't like to make predictions i just like mm -hmm. to look at a spectrum of scenarios you know but Uranus makes really splashy ingresses to, to constellations. Mm. It's neat. So I'm expecting when Uranus hits Taurus, there's going to be, I'm what telling everyone, invest, invest in Bitcoin, invest in uh, oh, yeah. uh, Ethereum. I've been trying to tell all my family this, and I think they're starting to think I'm a little crazy. They're oh, like, yeah. why do you keep talking to me about this computer money? <laughs> yeah, people don't get it. It's, it's, it's funny. Mm -hmm. But like visas accepting it next year, I think maybe even later this oh, yeah. year. That's yeah, I think weird. PayPal's on board. Like it's starting. We're starting to see like the mm -hmm. movement, and uh, 
I think if you were to put a hundred bucks into it, like when it first came out and people were like <laughs> Bitcoin, yeah. you'd, I mean, you'd have like yacht money now. That'd be, yeah. you'd be, you'd just be sitting on stacks. It's, it's crazy what's, what's happened already. Mm -hmm. So yeah, um, all of, all of this, these transits, I think what's happening with Capricorn, the structure and Saturn, the kind of, you know, systems and, and this like, you know, strongly corporate conformist kind of energy mm -hmm. and, and, and Uranus in Aries is, is it's initiating new ways for people, you know, individuals, Aries to like, you know, almost co-create society, mm -hmm. you know, to, 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 to fit in and to do, to do our part, their part, mm -hmm. you know, all of our part to kind of, I don't know, it's such a cliche to be the change you want to see in the world, but, it, but it's really true that we, we're kind of asked to do that. And then it goes the other way too, where like the corporations are like leveraging all their power mm -hmm. in order to kind of mold and shape individual thought. And this is going to be resisted because Uranus resists that and is always rebellious. And I think um, the whole tension of the whole thing is very interesting. It's a bit different than the than the than the Taurus uh, Aquarius dynamic that that, and I've heard a couple interpretations. And from the tropical point of view, and the accuracy of it seems to be based on the idea of the square be mm. between Saturn and Uranus. Yeah. Um, so so yeah, am I excited about anything? I think Jupiter sextiles Eris this year also for three contacts so throughout the year it'll be nice because eris has been what's that that sounds like it'll be a shake up yeah eris tends to eris tends to shake everything up but jupiter is the bringer the teacher the bestower of blessings the opener of doors and i think that uh we may see from like unexpected corners or strange places or we may see just like blessings in disguise at worst that like you know things get shaken up but it's like oh that was good for everyone yeah. um and 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 it you know it probably just would get better from there jupiter yeah. sextile to eris so um i am i am watching that because we're we're learning about eris too right mm -hmm. You know, discovered in 2006. Terribly much about Eris, but I know on your, I think it was your last video or maybe the one before, there was some Eris contacts that you were talking about. Yeah, me. yeah. The last two cycles, uh, lunar cycles, as we are conducting this interview, Eris is square to Pluto. And, the, and that then the sun and moon have been sort of making aspects to that. Two new moons ago, the, the new moon was conjoined Pluto. Mm -hmm. And in the last new moon, there was a, a semi-sextile sextile to to that square from the new moon. So mm -hmm. so it's been it's been it's been kind of playing its its role. Mm -hmm. um, Eris is Eris for for people who might not be familiar. Do you, can mm -hmm. I just say a little Go about Eris? Um, Eris was the only. Greek, Eris was the only Greek goddess that had no temples. Like the Greeks did not like Eris whatsoever. She is the goddess of discord and of chaos. And uh, her main contribution to Greek mythology was starting the Trojan War. Um, 
by uh, sort of sort of subtly uh, initiating, kind of playing on the egotism of the of the big uh, gods, mm -hmm. and sort of getting them to 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 bicker and fight amongst each other, and and then this led to the Trojan War. But Eris was uh, named by Mike Brown at uh, the the astronomer who discovered it. Eris was named after uh, it was seen uh, what kind of effect like this discovery had. Because Mike Brown really gets, Mike Brown gets it. He's a neat guy. Um, and in astrology, one of the principles, like we were talking about Neptune being discovered and then Jung and Freud being like, oh yeah, you know, depth psychology and so on this you know, I think Uranus discovery coincides with like, uh, I think the seven years war in American revolution, Pluto with plutonium actually, mm -hmm. atom bombs and, and mm -hmm. the, the death of the, those, the two world wars and the, the depression, all kind of plutonium stuff. So there's an idea in astrology when we discover something, a new planet, a new body, it's reflected in the psyche that this is like then brought to the conscious, to the forefront of the experience, right? Yeah. and Eris like dethroned Pluto Eris, Eris is about the size of Pluto they're both about the size of Earth's moon and when Eris was discovered people were like oh we can't just have all these planets and then we there was a big argument about what is a planet anyway and it had never been defined actually the International Astronomers Union didn't have a definition for planets so they sat down and like had a lot of discussions about what's a planet. They decided, well, Pluto's not even a planet. So let's get this all yeah. out of here. And like Mike Brown was just like, isn't Pluto back a planet now? Oh, I don't or think so. Well. No, no. Okay. I think Pluto's technically a dwarf planet. So it's there's planet in there. Mm -hmm. The IAU defined a planet as something that clears its path of all smaller obstacles. And Pluto, Pluto's part of a sort of a cluster of, of smaller bodies and debris um, outside the orbit of Neptune there's just a cloud of like stuff that the solar system has picked up as it moves through space it's called like a Oort cloud or something and Pluto hasn't like cleared a path for itself it's, it's Pluto sort of shares a path with all kind of other just space dust Pluto's Pluto is cool, but but it got demoted, and Mike Brown was like, "Oh man, they were gonna name they were gonna name it something else," and they were like, "No, this is chaos. This is this is discord, and we're naming this body Eris." Nice. So yeah, it. Uh, I made a video on it, so I don't. I you know um, I'd advise anyone who wanted to learn more to uh, to just do it do a search and and check that out, but. Uh, yeah, it usually pops in and shakes everything up. It's got a very Uranian quality. It's very resonant with Uranus in that way. Interesting. Okay, can I go back in time and ask you about one more thing? Oh, yeah. Um, December 2019, I think. That was the Saturn-Pluto conjunction, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So at the time I was looking at it through just regular sidereal. And so I thought that it was happening in Capricorn, but constellationally, would that have been Sagittarius? Sag, yeah. yeah. Okay. And Pluto was square Eris. Pluto made its first contact with Eris just as Saturn was making its contact with Pluto. So Eris was a big player in that. 
Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I have to say that like on, on the Sidero Revolution group, a lot of us watched that alignment that, that mm. 2019, December 2019, early 2020 alignment, the Saturn-Pluto conjunction. Yeah. We, we were like, oh, no. <laughs> we all knew it was going to be bad, but no yeah. one really like. That was sort of my experience with it. I, uh, I was watching it for years waiting for it because um, it was like within a week of my Saturn return. So I learned uh, about it early and like through the whole journey of like going from tropical to sidereal even. And, you know, I was like, wow, this is going to like fundamentally shake up the powers of the earth. And I was saying that to myself for like years, but then when it actually happened, it was, whoa. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't make any videos about 2020. My, my you know, people in my life were like, yeah, you're making videos now, you're doing astrology, your stuff makes sense. You should make a video about 2020. <laughs> I was like, no, I don't wanna, you, nobody wants to hear what I have to say about 2020. But I, I didn't know, I, I don't think anyone could have really, like going back in retrospect, you can see that Jupiter was with the South Node and South Node, mm -hmm. especially in Vedic, is like a bringer of disease, a bringer of like, you know, just chaos that comes out of nowhere, like no warning, no, no preamble, yeah. just psh. Um, so that was the dispositor, right? The ruler yeah. of Sag. And like, then you have Eris in here, with just chaos. And Sag is global. So we like... We, I mean, we were really like, I mean, I still like have like a freezer full of meat. I have like water. I have like beans and rice. Like I was like stockpiling food. Yeah. I was ready. Like I was ready to bug out. Like we did not know, like nobody knew like what this thing was going to be. And I was like, just kind of like almost glad it was COVID because I was ready for like <laughs> World War Three. It was like, yeah. holy crap. Hmm. yeah it was all at once like everything that I knew it was going to be but also not at all what I expected yeah you know? same here same here <laughs> yeah I, I I've only talked to one person so I think Jim Eshelman who said no, I, you can go back. I'm on record. I made predictions of like the effects of it. He didn't know what it was going to be, but he said the effects of it are going to be like broadly, like we're going to be confined. We're going to be like very contained. There's going to be economic like trouble. He like mm. really laid the whole thing out and he, he did it. He did a very good job. Um, I think, I think the most troubling thing about the whole thing isn't, you know, COVID, like diseases come and go, you know, Spanish flu came and went, mm -hmm. you know, I don't have a lot of sympathy for people who like whine about masks, people who have conspiracies about, you know, bioweapons and the vaccine. I just, I mean, just what, whatever, you know, pe people get in their, in their thought tunnels and I, and I appreciate that, but I'm, I'm not going to go there. My most like disconcerting thing about the whole event is that it's just so strongly like Capricornian like it's mm -hmm. shifting the power structure so much to like the global corporate kind of like mm -hmm. just like it really favors the empire you know yeah um, true. 
the evil empire and and they know it and um you know they're like just shamelessly raking it in just consolidating power and and i'm and i'm it's just interesting to watch you know where we're going to go from here and how it correlates with this sort of like idea that the age of aquarius like a more egalitarian like you know like a a safer weirder like cooler world is approaching Mm -hmm. it looks like we're we're gonna we're gonna go through a little bit of like a a dark night of the soul from the point of view of like individualism Mm. and i don't i don't know yeah one thing I'm noticing, and like this could just be like the algorithm sending me uh, like things that I've been interested in, right? Because I did a little like entrepreneurial course. But since that time, like within my sort of field, I've found, especially like young women, tons of them are starting to like go into business for themselves. And like I'm noticing a lot of people just like, using the internet and resourcing that and you know which I think is very very important because we need to shift our economy from like constant consumption to you know something else so there's a lot of people offering like service-based kind of businesses um, online and starting their own businesses and like I don't know maybe it's just the algorithm that I'm just seeing this now but I do Have think you looked like, into it? Do you see any like correlations with like, uh, I don't know, I think of Lilith when I think of female empowerment or I think yeah. of, uh, you, I mean, do you, do you draw any parallels? Do you? Well, I do think that in like a strange sort of way, um, it is sort of Capricornian energy, you know, and um, sort of like resourcing that Jupiter to like find like find abundance and like sort of make it, uh, you know, from like some, from nothing to something. And, Hmm. and two, I'm finding a lot of people sort of my age are going through a period of realizing that they really need to shift their mindset on money, you know, a little bit, uh, not necessarily giving it like the power to be evil and recognizing that at its source Mm. it's a neutral it's a neutral thing oh yeah I've noticed that shift too right Mm. because I'm I'm 43 and when I was coming up it was uh, it was like oh money let's just to hell with all Mm. that stuff and and then now there's like and it's become evident to, to me too. I was actually just talking about this very thing earlier today. It's just become very evident. You can help people with money. You can yeah. do good with money. It's not, um, yeah. So I'm, I'm with you. And I can sort of see if you draw the, uh, if you draw the connection to uh, Capricorn and Saturn that, you know, Uranus and Aries this kind of you know like kind of drive motivation kind of just yeah. like the desire thing that Aries carries that that Uranus um which Uranus is a very uh Uranus is is Uranus is very gender equal um mm-hmm. it's not it's not it's not Uranus is no friend of the patriarchy 
Mm -hmm. um, it's in almost every case, Uranus will will throw uh, wrenches in, in every time it gets a wrench, it will throw, <laughs> it will throw it in the patriarchy's uh, gears. And I don't see it supporting uh, that sort of uh, fundamental sort of oppression based system um, mm -hmm. in and of its 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 own nature. So it's, you know, squaring Saturn. And that's, mm -hmm. that's neat. That's neat. I hadn't looked into it. That's like going out on our own too you know i think that oh, yeah. the the women thing might be a part of the algorithm for sure because i am also seeing i'm in my field just like lots of people in general that are sort of starting to like take a chance on like their own unique gifts and i think that that's going to be really integral to you know shifting it from a dynamic of like we all just have to be wage slaves to oh, yeah. sort of finding our own power through, I feel like service to the greater good, which is kind of Aquarian type themes, I think, but. Yeah, absolutely. But like absolutely. getting there through these sort of like Capricorn boss energy steps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah taking responsibility Capricorn for ourselves Aries yeah. is like that's you know that's one expression of it mm -hmm. and that's something with this I was thinking about it in accordance to Neptune and Aquarius I feel like in some ways this whole idea that it is the age of Aquarius is kind of um like holding on to the idea of a savior you know oh and yeah you know, yeah, hoping yeah. that it's all just going to trickle down and it's all going to be a beautiful oh, thing. Man. But at the end of the day, to see the change we want to see, we have to start showing up for ourselves and showing up for our community in order oh, to make yeah. it Oh, I love that, Rio. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Oh, sing it. Yeah, it all starts with close, close circles, close concentric circles, you know, that's, that's the nice thing about seeing like, oh, you know, the government, they're too busy arguing amongst themselves, like the corporation, the, the corporation doesn't care about me. But like, when I go out, and who do I want to get involved with? I want to like volunteer in my like local community garden, I want to get involved mm -hmm. with the people in my neighborhood. And if everyone showed up, Mm -hmm. <laughs> right you know where i'm going with this yeah. if everyone just showed up for their own local community like no one i mean we would we even need like i don't know i think that's like a very aquarian idea mm -hmm. a kind of self-governance and autonomy and a bunch of individuated human beings who are just coming mm -hmm. together in spontaneous ways to offer what they have to the people around them where the the idea we have now is like more like structural kind of power over top down mm -hmm. again, it's all more like it's a little bit capricornian it's it's really not piscean the, the piscean the piscean thing is uh just a sort of a confusion around mm -hmm. around things and a kind of spiritual like uh there's almost like a naivete to mm -hmm. it you know so what you said too about savior complexes mm -hmm. really resonate with in that we all think of aquarius as like and i even said it in this world like a better cooler world is coming mm -hmm. and in and in some ways that may be true but it's like not going to save anyone from the reality 
of like mm. ground level life on earth you know mm. um so i'm really i'm really feeling which i'm really like I'm, I'm smelling what you're stepping in i love it um it's 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 true that people look to the future especially aquarius especially people like us look to aquarius people who are you know i don't know different from you yeah. know status quo reality mm -hmm. um look to aquarius as like oh yeah that'll be great and it's like we'll see yeah <laughs> um it's interesting too the traditional rulers that i'm not quite sure where i'm going with this but it's interesting that the traditional rulers of both capricorn and aquarius is saturn oh yeah 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 i was just listening to stephen forrest talk about aquarius and he's like you know i did a case study of aquarius because <laughs> he's a tropical guy and so he was like yeah i found that they're actually really conservative <laughs> and i'm <laughs> like okay right because you know because they're actually capricorn yeah but but i think i think it's interesting because um saturn ruled like saturnalia which was like mm -hmm. a drunken fertility festival saturn has a lot of signs like Saturn mm -hmm. is not just this like dark Satan figure who rules over uh, you know dominating with an iron fist mm -hmm. so I I think of all the ancient rulerships I have the hardest time with that one mm. Saturn and Aquarius I was glad because Uranus one Uranus is a visible planet yeah you can see it with the naked eye it's hmm. very faint and it moves very slowly. So they, many cultures didn't even notice it. Um, but point of fact, you can see Uranus with the naked eye. And for that reason, I think like in the way that the world is straight up magical, actually, you know, sacred and mystical, I think that yeah. points to something. Like if that is within the conscious mind at the edges of it, hmm. maybe, um, you know, you may, you know, maybe the ancient Babylonians in, in, in all their wisdom were not, you know, complete in their, in their knowledge, maybe. Maybe um, Saturn does rule Aquarius and Saturn does have a really, um, you know, totally opposite to its Capricorn side because everything functions in polarity. Everything mm -hmm. is, is, everything functions and expresses in duality. I feel like the responsibility piece is is like part of the piece that blends into Aquarius you know um maybe in the Capricorn it's more of a like striving to acquire you know and then sort of where it moves into Aquarius is the realization that like we we need to take responsibility for ourselves and our communities in order to like fully individualized maybe yeah 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 in in capricorn i think we're learning how we fit in how we how we how we how we conform like necessarily mm -hmm. and and we're valued for our ability to to do the things yeah and in aquarius we're valued for who who we really are independent mm -hmm. of of conformity and, 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 and relationship, but they're both also really aloof. They're both really impersonal. Like Capricorn mm. is very impersonal. It's like, uh, 
similar to Aquarius in in that Saturnian way. It just doesn't, it's it's just not, it's not about, it's like if Leo takes everything personally and makes everything about themselves, you know, yeah. this is the classic Leo thing. Mm -hmm. And Cancer is like, oh, you know, just so um, emotional that that they, they just feel everything through the filter of their own kind of kind of inner experience. Capricorn and Aquarius are just almost like a like a like a like a like an eagle looking down on everything like just have this bird's eye view. Mm. So I see I see the similarities. Yeah, it's it's interesting. There've been there've been some interesting discussions on the on the forums about like sort of if we could just put it all together from scratch like knowing everything that we knew mm -hmm. like would virgo really be mercury's or would, mm, would, that's or what like, i wondered about before <laughs> and i love that i love thinking outside the box about mm. stuff it doesn't even matter whether i'm you know right or whether anyone is yeah it's part of the experimentation process we're in that's just it that's just mm -hmm. it questioning the answers mm -hmm. absolutely and, and what about the planet that was between Mars and Jupiter in the ancient, in the ancient world? Was that given, you know, astrological importance? There was Tiamat, a planet in between Mars and Jupiter? They, where the asteroid belt is, where, mm -hmm. where Ceres and the asteroids are now. Um, some, and I'm Again, if I had known I was going to be interviewed, I would have prepared. <laughs> but um, I think I think the Babylonians called it Tiamat. Mm. Tiamat, and they said it was like a second sun. It was a water planet, and there's written record or oral record, and mm -hmm. I think written, but I can't cite it. I, I'm unable to cite a, a, a text or an ancient whatever. Um, of its actual, like th there were people that witnessed its its destruction, and this may be okay. like pseudo pseudoscience. This may be like you know people have a lot of different takes on like Zechariah Zitchin and his like you know cylinder seals and the stories of 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 whatever. And I, I'm I'm not going to make a statement from my own side on on that, but I mean even some people that are really taken as authorities mm -hmm. on the ancient world and like. You know, very questioned and very questionable, um, and I don't, I don't know, I don't have the information, but but it would make sense. There's all these asteroids. Mm -hmm. You know, was there some kind of like catastrophe? Was there some kind of like impact event where what was a planet was then, you know, um, distributed more broadly? Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> And and that's that's just uh, you know I guess nobody really knows mm -hmm. so maybe it's not even worth <laughs> you know going down too far down that rabbit hole but it all interests me you know just mm -hmm. to just to think about things maybe uh, I've heard people contest like Pluto's rulership of. Of, of Scorpio and then who rules a fucus and like in a lot of ways you know we all have to come to our own our own understandings and interpretations mm -hmm. I don't I don't think a consensus view of astrology 
that everyone would then be expected to adopt mm -hmm. is ultimately the most helpful thing. You know, I think that actually has the potential to hold. I don't know, one wisdom that seems to be coming down big time the day that uh, Saturn and Uranus were in square exact, mm -hmm. which was actually the day I decided to make this show. Oh, cool. um, I don't know, I just kept on having these realizations that like life is messy, you know, and that's fine. Oh, yeah. You know, and it was yeah. sort of a, oh, that's okay. That seemed like a revelation at the time. But oh, yeah, yeah. But that's been some interesting medicine that I feel like is playing out. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And will probably be like sort of a quality of this year since it happens again and again. But yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So you're you're Virgo rising. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. For Virgo rising, the idea that life is messy can be like. Real, it's kind of a deal breaker it's like i don't know life i like you but stay over there on your side this is my side of the room uh it's it's tough i'm i'm a strong virgo person myself and it took it took me yeah there's just there's like a need for like order and almost like it's like categorization and understanding yeah yeah and life resists that it really and that's the opposite of Virgo, Pisces, where things are just mysterious and you can't be known. It's like a dreamscape and ever shifting. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Well, I don't want to keep you too terribly long on this. Oh, okay. Venture, but yeah, cool. I had a really fun time chatting with you. So, so what's your take on um, one 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 of my one of my questions that I'm constantly sort of mulling over here? Mm -hmm. and turn the interview around and, okay, and, let's do and it. ask you a question. <laughs> what do you, what is your take on um, the rulership of the of, of or the 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 reading of a fucus and the mm -hmm. the rulership of a fucus and I'll just leave that there because there's, okay. you, you know, I think, I think for everyone who's watching this, there's, there's the idea, like that's the 13th sign mm -hmm. between Scorpio and, and Sag. So. I mean, to me, from a like instinctual place, like I feel like, and I haven't really spent time studying charts too much because I'm like dipping my toe in this whole 13th sign business. But like from an instinctual place, I feel like it has to do with Chiron somehow. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, for sure, mm -hmm. with the with the healing and the resurrection and oh yeah, yeah, I think there's a link there for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking, I have a, I have a hard time with that because Chiron's so small, mm -hmm. and, I, and I have in my mind this idea like, well, a, a comet, a, a tiny, it's actually a centaur. It orbits mm -hmm. between Saturn and Uranus. This tiny little thing. There's even bigger centaurs than Chiron, right? Mm -hmm. Like Sharklo Sh is uh, is is uh, the, the biggest one, and it's, it's well larger than Chiron. So Chiron's this like, it's not a planet at all, <laughs> and I don't know how it would be resonant. But in the mythology, yeah, absolutely mm -hmm. resonant, and there is undeniably a resonance. Mm -hmm. And then it, you know, then I wonder because I, I I spin out on this, I really do. But yeah. I wonder, like, is it even helpful to think about 
rulership, this rulership sort of a patriarchal kind of like power over. (laughs) Yeah, totally. And I've come to talk about it actually, like, like, oh, Taurus, I don't say, oh, Taurus is ruled by Venus. I'll say Taurus is resonant with Venus and resonant with the second house. There's like a a sympathetic vibration, right? So using a little more. I like that. Updated. Yeah, me too. Mm -hmm. So Chiron is resonant. Mm-hmm. the fucus like stop absolutely even okay because if we bring it back to greek mythology a fucus is there's connections with asclepius right mm-hmm. that was the greek connection mm-hmm. yeah and asclepius and so, was tutored by uh chiron and interesting i'm just thinking with like the smallness because wasn't part of Asclepius's story that like he was a human that was able to defy death um, and then the gods revered him for it until until like this bringing people back from the dead became a problem and then they got upset about it again but I don't think I think he was half human I think he was half god he might I think he was the son of Apollo in the version that gets handed down that way but then uh he was given to Chiron because he had such healing potential and there's some people that say if you go back far enough Mm -hmm. this that this person was female and then you have whole other mythologies which have you know in which the name Asclepius is like a meaningless name but those stars are still there Mm -hmm. like even before uh the Arabic world had heard of, uh, you know, the, the myth of Asclepius, they were calling that uh, star the snake charmer. Mm-hmm. So, so there, the serpent, uh, the serpent energy and the, the, the idea of mastering serpent energy mm-hmm. is, uh, um, you know, that's, that's there across, across several mythologies. Mm-hmm. But, I, I sort of took what you were saying and like <laughs> hard right. And I want to get back because you, you were, you were talking about, yeah. Well, I just think it's interesting. Um, just drawing the parallel from talking about how it's just like this tiny, small thing, you know, um, I sort of, you know, it was, it wasn't one of the like full blown gods that figured out how to defy death. You know, it was someone a little more humble. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just thoughts. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. That's I meant to brush up on this particular mythology a little bit before this interview, but I did not. So. Oh, no. <laughs> you felt, you felt the question out there. You felt... <laughs> but no, I think there's definitely some sort of resonance with Chiron. Um, mm. One interesting thought that I was having in the sort of from the context of Greek mythology right because Scorpio is the scorpion that was sent to kill Orion am I right in that one I don't know I think so I I don't know where I'm going with this it's just an interesting sort of thought I was having um I know that like Orion was sort of struck down because he'd gotten like, he had a hubris about him, you know, and he was, he was too good and the gods were offended. So they struck him down. 
And I was thinking about this interesting like hubris connection between like being struck down because of hubris and then sort of having like the hubris to be like, no, I'm not accepting that. I'm not accepting this death. I'm going to transform it and get back up. It's like a hubris of an entirely different nature, you know? Well, one of the reasons the Greek myths interest me so little is actually because it's it's kind of hubris the whole way around. Like you have Pluto, Hades, who was like in the underworld, who's like, oh, I'm not getting enough souls. Who's this guy? He's gone against the flow of nature. He's like Asclepius, right? He's raising the dead. And Hades had the audacity to just put a hit on him. Like we got to kill this guy. He's, he's, he's helping too many people and I need souls. Like the whole thing is just like sort of, sort of egotism and arrogance Mm. and, and all, and you know, all the major players are men. And I just, it's kind of hard to reconcile the whole Greek mythology thing. I was having a really interesting conversation um, with a friend of mine who studies, um, like the ancient Greek devotionals and is like really, really digging into the actual devotional texts. And she brought up a very good point, which was our understanding of mythology as it is comes from multiple different sources. Cause there's like the actual devotional texts, but then a lot of it is actually just pop culture. You know, there's things that were plays that have now been worked into our understanding of Greek mythology when like it was just a it was a play like some of it was kind of like really elevated fan fiction <laughs> that's kind of something interesting. that's perfect I like that I like that do you have any yeah. good sources on like digging back further like if I wanted to learn more about the Babylonian type stuff where do I look um There's a guy named Otto Neugebauer who wrote on the history and the, the ancient practice of astrology, but his books are dense and academic and expensive. I, you know, I came to acquire them through like peer-to-peer networks. Mm-hmm. I don't, if you, if anyone's on Amazon, like, let me look up Otto Neugebauer and it's like, what? That's not me. I'm not. I'm not that guy who pays, yeah. you know, a thousand dollars for. Oh wow, for, really? For a, oh, it's it's like out of print, rare stuff. He's, you know, he's really seminal work. But um, you know, finding digital copies is possible. Um, but uh, there's a great Wikipedia page on Babylonian star catalogs, and it goes back mm-hmm. to the eighteen uneven signs that the Babylonians used. And, mm-hmm. and Scorpio, Scorpio and Ephucus were uh, called uh, the cutter. They were the raptor, which is why in tarot you see the four symbols like in the, the wheel, the mm-hmm. four figures at the corner and in the world, the signifying completion, the four animals at the corner you have, the bull for Aldebaran, uh, Alpha Taurus, you have the lion for Regulus, Alpha Leo, you have um, uh, Fomalhaut in, uh, it's actually in, uh, it's actually Alpha Pisces uh, Australis, but uh, if, or it's, it's the fish just below Aquarius that the, that the water's poured onto, but it's in mm-hmm. 
the degree of Aquarius, so it's this bright star, these are the four watchers at the corners, the four archangel stars, and of course the fourth is Antares, what we call Antares Alpha Scorpio. Ooh. But the fourth character is not a scorpion. Mm -hmm. You see these in the stellas of churches, you see these four characters, the bull, the lion, the human, and the eagle. And this is like, you know, this is sidereal mythology. These were the four archangels and the four um, horsemen of the apocalypse, the four Ooh. watchers at the corner. It's the same, right? You know, higher and yeah. lower manifestations. Yeah. And these were just, you know, this was Regulus, um, Fomohat, uh, Aldebaran, and Antares. And so this has always been like a really key area of the sky, like really important. To the ancient Babylonians, it was a raptor, right? Oh. The eagle. And it was kind of the stars, as far as I can tell, the stars of Ephucus, and not, not uh, Ras al-Hag, which is well north of the ecliptic, but very bright, very significant. But the stars, that, that the whole thing, Scorpio Ephucus, what we call Scorpio Ephucus now, was like an, an eagle, a raptor. But in the, in the Arabic... And, and the, the, Arabic, the Arabic contribution to astronomy and astrology, the Arabic people saved our star knowledge. Like when Rome fell and the Dark Ages came, like the Arabs were like, have fun up there. You know, we're going to keep this thing going. And to them, as far as I can tell, even Libra was, Libra was the cause of the scorpion. So the scorpion was like extended. Even in, in the Arabic zodiac, in the ancient Arabic zodiac, to, as far as I understand it presently, um, it was it was all it was a scorpion, but they also saw a fucus as this separate constellation, the snake charmer. Mm. So there's all these, there's all these um, you know, like you said, across mythologies and, and, mm. and different different ways of looking at it, but the ancient Babylonian looked at it as a raptor and the, and the information's out there at uh there's a great wikipedia page babylonian star catalogs i want to say kenneth bowser is a great source like his introduction to western sidereal astrology is tremendously valuable but he doesn't really get into the the babylonian constellations mm -hmm. um I still, I still, I would just shout him out and I'll recommend that book to anyone who wants to get into sidereal astrology. It's like, it's profoundly uh, helpful work and easier to read than Audre Nuge about. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really, it's one of the more interesting parts of the sky because everyone kind of had the, like this weird different take on it, but there's similarities, you know? And it's an eagle, it's a scorpion, you know, both are like, both will, you know, tear, tear you up. Both are like, you know, very predatory kind of kind of dangerous energies. Yeah. I, I like the archetype of the eagle for that mm -hmm. a lot um, because it, it, it contains sort of the higher qualities. And I like reading a fucus related to Scorpio because it talks about these kind of higher uh, more visionary, medicinal, sort of mystical, deep kind of kundalini-oriented qualities of, mm. of this whole, this whole thing. Did you know that Pluto is actually a dual planet? 
Pluto's moon is about half its size. So if Pluto's like this, you know, moon is like that. And the, the center of gravity is in between them. So they orbit like uh, each other. Yeah. Did not know Pluto, that. Pluto manifests like almost exclusively in dualistic ways through polarity and duality. Even if there's two extremes that you're experiencing at the same time, like that's mm -hmm. Pluto. And I think that Sharon, which is Pluto's moon, oh, and Sharon was also uh, Sharon was also a lord of the underworld. Like, a, oh like yeah, a he figure. isn't he the one who like rode people in the boatkeeper or something? N no, who was that? Uh, I I don't think so, but I'm not. I'm actually not sure because I can't think of that of that figure's name. Ooh. But but I but I do. I do know that Pluto, like astronomically, like actually like, you know, actual planet Pluto mm -hmm. is, a, is a dual mm -hmm. and, and is involved. Like if, if Uranus's word is transformation, just sort of change, right? Mm -hmm. Pluto's about like transmutation, like caterpillar mm -hmm. to butterfly, like really like taking things to a whole different state. And, I, and for that reason, I, I wonder if Sharon, if Pluto rules Scorpio, if Sharon wouldn't be the ruler of a Fucus. And there might be this sort of like quality of them being connected through um, this sort of one just leading like in a cause effect way to the other through, through the process. Well, that's I, interesting. Yeah, I, I, I like to question, I sort of like to question everything too. I'm <laughs> yeah. an Aquarius rising, so we get that. Like, oh. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, this is fun. Totally, well, totally. I think Thank we're, you. I think we're like well beyond an hour now. So oh, that's cool. You can edit. You feel free to, you know, take yeah, I'll probably just leave it. <laughs> <laughs> cool, cool. I hope uh, I hope I hope your series is really successful. Yeah, I'm really excited to just like dig into more conversations and I hope I can find more people open to talking to me, but I think I'll be able to. I think Oh, you know, just reach out. Just just in this just, community, there seems to be just like a real curiosity and desire to learn. So and and I think there's a shared I think there's a shared interest in like getting the word out. Mm -hmm. like this is what it is. This is what we do. This is actually a thing. Like this is yeah. significant and important. And it's not something that we just made up mm -hmm. on like an acid trip. This goes back to like ancient Babylon. This is like how yeah. the Maya did it. This is how, you know, all the star watching cultures, the astronomers. Yeah, I'm really interested in digging into the roots more because there is definitely a perception that this is like, and in some ways we really are breaking new ground, you know, but there's also this perception yeah. that like, you know, NASA who doesn't know anything about astrology <laughs> just <laughs> and like now we're on a bunch of bullshit, you know? Yeah, there is, there is, there is, that would be, that would be a great topic for, uh, for another show, I think, just sort of setting the record straight. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. but, but you, you know what to do, Rio. Um, yeah. <laughs> I want to thank you for giving me the opportunity and, uh, just, uh, sort of surprising me. I, yeah, well, I, uh, thank you for being so open to the surprise. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. Totally. I, th I think it's great. Kind of, a um, like a pop-up, just kind of a, a flash, <laughs> a flash interview. Yeah. <laughs> hey, want to be on, want to be, uh, on YouTube? Yeah, surprise. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> cool. Well, um, thank you for joining me, and I will start recording now. Sweet.